They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. I thought we were doing Adele. This is Journey, faithfully. What? Mashup! We just did a mashup? An unintentional mashup? I couldn't really hear through the through your headphones, but I thought you were singing right along with me, Journey. There, there's nothing new under the sun, brother. <laughs> well done. Thank you. What a hot mess. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us mm-hmm. on Fonts That Rock. We apologize for the way that we uh, have really ventured here into season four uh, with that mashup. <laughs> This podcast is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice. We try and do that in about 30 minutes, and we're so thankful that you're here. You know, listen, this episode mm-hmm. is brought to you by Bookie Call. What's that? It's our innovative book discovery platform that we invented. Mm. So really, we're sponsoring ourselves? <laughs> Until somebody else comes in, guess what? <laughs> That's what you get. Listen, Bookie Call is an innovative book discovery platform that's cleverly disguised as a dating app Uh, it's available on ios it's available on android we uh, have this incredible opportunity for you to jump in download this app and start swiping books like you would swipe on people that you want to go on a date with we're going to match you with books Mm -hmm. we're going to match you with books you're going to say these are the types of books we like we're going to find the perfect books and suggest them to you Uh, it's truly an amazing platform we have at this point well well over 200,000 users in 205 countries and territories it is crazy Uh, we are incredibly proud of it and and continue to tweak it and, and make it the best it can be if you're looking to figure out what you're going to read next bookie call that's the way to go Mm -hmm. we have more people in more countries downloading that app than listen to this podcast do you know that we have over 40 listeners in Djibouti I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's the truth I just thought you just said the word Djibouti I I did we have over 40 Mm -hmm. users uh, of bookie call in Djibouti I like it I think every time we talk about Bookie Call, you should update some country that we've never heard of before. Uh, trust me. Uh, we'll, we There's will like do 205. It. It's insane. <laughs> yes. Listen, if you like the show, do us a favor. Take a moment mm-hmm. and go online. Give us a five-star rating five. and a review. That's right. Uh, I'm not talking about you, Brian. I'm talking about oh, sorry. the listeners. Oh, we've used all sorry. the URLs. That we I, actually, I have no more email addresses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes we just uh, open up LLCs just to get an email address so that we could do our own reviews. Who's old hot mess at hotmail.com? I'm so sorry. That's me. 
I've been meaning to take that one down. <laughs> Honestly, though, just giving us a little bit of a rating and a few words, it actually matters. It helps us grow the show that, that uh, you know, we can put uh, some eyeballs onto our philanthropic partner. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give away some money because we support this awesome company. Yeah. Brand, who is it? It's Cannonball Kids Cancer. Love those guys. If you've listened to this uh, podcast at all, which, let's face it, most of you have. Not in Djibouti yet. They have not. <laughs> You know that we support Cannonball Kids Cancer, mm-hmm. their amazing fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. Uh, they're really the only organization that does what they do. They fund breaking, uh, sort of cutting edge research medicine for treatments that don't exist. Yeah, uh, Believe it or not, it is a very competitive market to find funding to um, do these experimental sort of treatments and, and Cannonball Kids Cancer provides grants to these research facilities to actually do the work and and put the kids that need to have uh, these these solutions uh, right at the forefront and make sure that they can get into these trials. And so that's what we do here. It's why we do this. And uh, we're incredibly thankful for your support of it. Yeah, they're yeah. amazing. Yeah. And listen, we know how busy you are grabbing Super a little busy. bit of time yeah. to break away well. to just, you know, Get, get a little bit of leadership in your life. And it can be personal, professional. It doesn't matter to us. Mm-hmm. But listen, yeah. we totally get it. Totally. You're, you're listening to the podcast right now, but yes. you're probably, I'm guessing, Million doing things. something else. That's right. Like maybe right now mm-hmm. you could be uh, drinking a chocolate malt at a <laughs> diner <laughs> counter. <laughs> maybe you're looking for Pepsi bottles to return to the general store. Pepsi. I'm a Coke man. Maybe you're sitting with your girl at Makeout Point. <laughs> That's son. That's the worst. That's that the worst. So that's the worst makeup. <laughs> oh my gosh! You are nothing but all tongue. <laughs> Listen, we just want to be the thirty minutes you've been waiting for all week. Boom. boom. Our guest today is someone that we initially met in some author-oriented clubhouse room, and Shelly can probably talk about that. It's our friend Shelly Brown, who is now a professional speaker and author and a consultant and a huge, big practitioner of mindfulness, which I know we're going to talk about. First off, downtown Shelly Brown, welcome to Thoughts at Rock. I am so thrilled to be here. I can't even tell you. <laughs> it's great Fresh to be here. Freshly back in Chicago, right? You don't get the name downtown Shelly Brown for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to ask you where did that name come from, but that's fine. We got it. <laughs> so uh, we're obviously going to have Shelly's full bio listed in the show notes, but we did want to highlight a couple of cool things because she has a phenomenal, interesting, uh, weird background, if I can use her term there. First off, uh, she started in many entry-level jobs, you know, cocktail bar. I know there's a song in there somewhere. She's uh, been a hotel <laughs> concierge, a tech salesperson, where she was among some of the top sales reps. But it was really during her time as an ultra marathon runner and a fitness instructor where she suffered just a catastrophic collapse vertebrae, um, changing really, I, I think, the trajectory of her life. Um, she had to rethink how life uh, was going to be for her. And, um, you know, she really still wanted to continue to help others as a professional friend. She likes to say she became a certified mindfulness teacher and really teaching self-awareness practices and processes so that leaders and workers and teachers and students can all get back to humaning. Um, and so that's a great setup for what she does now. She works with corporations and schools to teach actionable mindfulness processes that encourages people to embrace their weird. And she is now the author of Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z. 
which as I mentioned is how we came to know her. You know, we started in Clubhouse, but she eventually was doing some stuff through Bookstar PR and we helped her a little bit extend the reach of her book. So again, we're just so honored, Shelly, that you could spend a little bit of time and share some cool leadership pieces of advice with our audience. And uh, I think, you know, from listening to other episodes, we don't do the uh, usual background and, and ask you a million questions. We pretty much ask you one or two and we just take it from there. So we want to ask you, what is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. The thought that rocks, from my perspective, is enroll in a mindfulness-based program. Hmm. Where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, that's, is that did you create that, or is that from somebody else? That is my call to action for everybody. It's something that I came to through my own experience and it's the best, most transformative thing I ever did. So that's my thought that rocks. I love it. Is it something that when you first saw, I'll tell you this, I have a really hard time um, slowing down. Um, And so how did you get started? in this mindfulness-based approach. Can you tell us first what you mean by that? And then secondly, did you like dive into the deep end of the pool or did you sort of inch your way in slowly? (laughs) I inched my way in because I was an ultra runner. I was a corporate person and the thought of mindfulness made me conjure up images of tea drinking yogis sitting, you know, (laughs) cross-legged with incense burning in their third eye and stuff. (laughs) And I was like, no way, no way. But I also knew that I was in this sort of anxiety, flight or flight, like constant internal buzz. And I would like try to go to sleep at night and I'd hear music and just constantly my mind was going, going, going. And I thought, that this was sort of the way it was supposed to be for me and that it was never going to change. And a lot of that happened even more after my vertebrae collapsed. And all of a sudden, the one thing that I thought made me me wasn't there anymore. And I just seriously thought like I had lost the ability to sleep and lost the ability to to have this sort of calm and peace. And it, it wasn't the case. So somebody suggested it. And I finally had to say yes. Hmm. You know, I was thinking, um, again, with that, something happens to you, like where you get a collapsed vertebrae. Physically, that definitely changes your life in a lot of ways. But I'm sure emotionally, maybe even spiritually, you know, whether you become depressed or you just go, I've got to figure out a, a different way to survive, interact with other people. You know, I guess for me, especially since you're talking about mindfulness, because I I've never gone through something like that. I can only imagine, but I, I will say that I was very quick to respond. I was a pretty emotional person, I guess, as a trainer early, maybe in my career, but you know, I learned the power of, of being mindful if I can use that term and keeping my emotions in check when I at least got into a leadership role. Do you feel like that happened with you as well? Like I, I know you've talked about going from zero to crisis super quick, but now you're able to keep those emotions in check. How do you do that? Yeah. So to me, the definition of mindfulness is being a badass of your awareness. Mm-hmm. It's really being in the driver seat of your awareness. And while there's still a lot of people out there who think that meditation, mindfulness are one and the same, 
They're not. They're not. Mindfulness is to, I'm sorry, meditation is to mindfulness. What working out is to fitness, to being fit. And it doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. Yeah, there's people who, you know, can sit there and focus on their breath. But I actually teach people about what mindfulness is using rock music, something dear uh, to your hearts. Mm -hmm. So it, it just doesn't look the way people does, but harnessing the power of presence, the power of being present and the power of noticing is so, so transformative and that there's nothing weird or woo woo about being present. Do, do you think you have to study that? Um, or, or like if somebody were listening right now and they're going, oh, I'd like to check out what what the heck mindfulness-based program or stress reduction is, I would guess some people chill out naturally, right, as they mature. But the sooner that they can get to that state, you're, you're going to be more positive. You're going to be more effective. You'll be more influential. What, what do you recommend? Is there a place that you could go that you could say, geez, if I could jump into a mindfulness state sooner rather than later, I would in fact be more productive and, and uh, effective early on? Or does this just come naturally as you as you get older and you chill out? <laughs> That's a great question. So, you know, there's a lot of distraction and whether you have a spinal injury or any other kind of significant thing that happens in your life, the fact is that life is really stressful and people handle stress very differently. But one thing is for sure that the stress response is physiological. So, the answer is that it's a practice. It's not something that you can learn. And then as soon as you learn it, you've arrived and all of a sudden you're mindful. It's a continuous practice. And for some people, it takes longer because their stress response is messed up. And that means that they're in this constant state of, you know, increased adrenaline and cortisol, which makes it really, really hard to have that chill, quote unquote, chill out factor. Yeah. And so for some people, you have to you have to find a program or you have to know that it's not just falling asleep to an app. It's, right. It's <laughs> right. Although there's nothing wrong with that from time to time. <laughs> no, no. It means your body needs sleep probably. <laughs> yeah. I guess my question is how do you, when you encourage someone, let's say you're working with a, a group of leaders who have no idea how to even get started. They're overachievers. They are, you know, running and gunning. They, they have no idea what it means to slow down. Do you encourage them to like, is there a time every day? Do you start by sort of putting this in your calendar and treating it like an appointment with yourself? Or, you know, how do you even begin to go down this road? I, I agree with you that self-awareness is like the key to to really great leadership is to be self-aware. Um, but what is your, when you're, when you're teaching, when you're coaching, what is your sort of recommendation for the person who has no idea where to even start? Are you asking Shelly for a friend? I'm asking for a friend of mine whose, whose name rhymes with BIM light. <laughs> I think I know him. Do you know him? If I were talking to BIM, here's what I would say. First of all, 
Then it starts with intention, you know, do you want to be present, you know, and understanding what the implications of your presence means in a leadership role and what your presence means in all areas of your life. Because if you're not present, you're in the past, you're in the future, you're in regret, you're in remorse, you're arguing with reality. And you know what, life kind of sucks when you're not present, because you're arguing with reality. So first and foremost, it's about understanding why it matters. Then second of all, it's it's setting that intention that maybe you want to change that. Maybe you want to have that intention to change and, and become more present. So it could look as little as taking five minutes a day. And I'll, I'll give you my favorite way to practice mindfulness, choosing a song and picking an instrument to follow along the entire song, knowing that you're going to get distracted by the lead singer, the piano player, the guitar player, whatever it is, and coming back to that instrument that you've chosen over and over and over again. It's the intention like exercise. And so that is the mental fitness to increase your noticing muscles. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're learning how to not get lost when something distracts us from what it is that we've intentionally chosen to focus on. So it can huh. be five minutes a day. And then a month later, you're listening to a whole album. <laughs> I love that. So, so maybe that's where, you know, you had mentioned earlier the difference between mindfulness and meditation. And I still thought those were a little bit fuzzy for me. And you know, I, Brant has heard this story before. I have a friend of mine named Nigel who, you know, it, it lives in Atlanta and he's gotten to the point, he, he's a faith-based guy, but you know, when he's not sure what to do for him to, to get clarity and, and to focus on not getting caught in the thick of thin things, he's learned to just be, just be still when in doubt, stop moving, just focus on, on just being present for the moment. And his mindset again is, I think things will be revealed to me. And I guess that would be a, that, that would be a version of meditation to some degree, but he stays calm, you know, calm, uh, positive, productive, like that's his whole thing. I hadn't thought at all about mindfulness, maybe choosing a song and focusing on a singular instrument. I, I love that idea. There's some other things that you could talk about. That would be a cool, I don't know, best practice for mindfulness. So you know, I love what you said about the way your friend practices mindfulness. I mean, what we're doing by pausing is we're intentionally creating space by stopping. Because if we stop ourselves and pause, whether it's taking a breath or whatever it is that we're doing, then we can increase space in our brains to either focus on what it is that, that we want to do to create space for creativity and innovation and to be there for the person that's in front of us and give them our attention. Yeah. Yeah. So Brant, you, uh, you stress out a lot. Um, what um, do you think as you, you're again, a self-proclaimed workaholic, your mind's constantly going, you're also a creative listening to, to some of these recommendations that Shelly has, how do you think that you've been able to be a little bit more mindful? I would guess you've gotten better over time, but for somebody like you, where you feel like you can't turn your brain off and I don't want to speak for you, but I think that's how we sort of laugh about the, the work that you put in because you're so passionate committed. Do you think these are things that you could do? Cause I, I know meditation is not your, your thing. That's not my jam. Um, but you know, I think what I have, what I've, gotten better at 
is recognizing when I'm not present. Um, now what happens after that, <laughs> what, what happens after that is still a complete shit show. But, yeah. um, you know, for me, I, I go back to, you know, one of my favorite sort of quotes in the litmus test is, is from Lao Tzu is this idea that if you are feeling anxious, you're living in the future. If you're depressed, you're living in the past. And if you're at peace, you're, you're living in the present. And so I use that literally as my way of knowing whether or not I'm present, right? So if I'm really anxious about something, it's obvious to me that I'm not in the present. I'm worrying about something that hasn't happened yet and I have no control over that. So I have to sort of pull myself back. Or if I'm feeling really depressed, it's usually because I've made a really bad decision about something and, and I'm yep. just you know fretting over the fact that I can't go back and change what, what's already been done. And so I have to push myself forward uh, into the present. And so that to me, I've gotten, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at recognizing when I am either in the future or past and not in the present. Um, my ability to deal and stay focused, uh, you know, it, 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 it wanes. I feel like I am most present when I'm on stage, mm-hmm. um, sort of because it forces me to, right. If my mind wanders in front of a thousand people, uh, it, it's going to be trouble. And so yeah. I, I sort of have to stay focused on what's happening. Um, but you know, the everyday work day where we're in a meeting, where we're having a conversation, where we're talking to someone, you know, it's difficult. I think it's, I don't know how you feel about this, Shelly. Maybe you, you have uh, an opinion on this. I feel like it's a lot more difficult for creatives to <laughs> have mindfulness. Do you, is that, has that been your experience? Actually, first of all, I want to just say that you're noticing when you're not present is actually what mindfulness is. So, you are practicing mindfulness. Huh. Take that, so, Jim. Yeah, right? Then, then that means he's choosing not to listen to me. I am <laughs> very cognizant of it. Shh, you're giving away all my secrets. <laughs> so do I think it's hard as a creative? You know, I probably get like you, I get like really excited in my mind to start going uh, like really fast about things that I want to do. And it happens a lot when I have more space to think creatively, it'll be like this sort of tsunami of things that I want to do. But when I'm actually in the process of creating, like drawing or whatever, I'm super intentionally focused and a whole lot less distracted. It's it's when I think about the ways I want to pre- be creative, it's harder to be mindful. But when I'm actually in the creative process, I'm present for what it is that I'm doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, actually, yeah. like that's a big, I think that's a really important distinction, right? So it's like when you are thinking about how to be creative is one thing, but when you're in the creative process, it's something different. I've not I've like not settling actually. on an idea and going like, yep, this is the idea. I'm going to, I'm going to do this, whether it's, you know, the songwriting process or drawing or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you're an artist. We, you know, you, you are very open about posting your, your drawings, your paintings, um, mm-hmm. the, the things that you do. Do you find yourself, does it take you longer to think about what it is that you are going to to paint or draw, um, or does it take you longer to actually do it? I think I, it takes me longer to actually do it. Cause I'll, I'll think of something and I'll be like, yeah, that's what I want to do. 
And then it takes me longer to do it, but I'm super, super focused and I don't really let anything distract me while I'm in the creative process. Mm -hmm. That to me is super mindfulness in action because I, I just am so zoned in on that. It's like you standing on stage or when you're playing music, I I would think it would be really similar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. You know, and maybe just to take this uh, another step further, I know, Shelly, not just because of your book, you really do talk about embracing your weird. And you said something earlier, right at the very beginning of the show about how you initially thought mindfulness had a little bit of a woo-woo. And it's interesting because the corresponding thought that we picked was from Tara Brock, who a lot of people might not know. She's sort of a mindfulness expert, has an opinion on a lot of this, but I think you would probably agree, Shelly, that she does get a little bit into the <laughs> into the woo-woo space. But she did have this great quote that I thought would be, you know, interesting for us to explore. And and her thought was this: Step Rock Number Two. There's something wonderfully bold and liberating about saying yes to our entire imperfect and messy life which to me felt like, boy, that was a complete layup for Shelly Brown to talk about, especially <laughs> embracing, you know, your weird. Yeah. How do you sort of, um, you know, y- you think about this quote that she had about, you know, falling in, in line um, w- with going wherever you want to explore life's imperfections. And my point would be, we're all broken, right? And I think mm-hmm. the more you understand it and accept it, lean into it, you discover you know, self-love, you, you have a better appreciation for yourself. Um, you're much better at understanding of others for sure. Being different, being weird used to be a rarity, but now I, I think maybe it's becoming the norm. Do you agree with that? And how do you sort of take what Tara has said and and use it, but also try and distance from this, uh, th- this crazy woo-woo thought that, that, you know, we, we don't want to get too far deep into <laughs> yeah. So I do love the quote. And, you know, we are just everything that we are. We're messy. We're we're beautiful. We're everything in between. And the the notion of being weird is really about being our authentic selves. And yeah. it encompasses all of that. And I think I think that's everybody's truest desire to be seen and to be valued for who they are. And if we think about work, the context of work and leadership, the leaders who are the most embraced are the ones who show their humanity, the yeah. ones who show their vulnerability, the ones who share who who share their human experiences. Yeah, sometimes it has context around it in in the context of work, but that's what people want. People want to be who they are. And this last 22 months has given people the opportunity to embrace their weird, to be who they are with, and it's not, you know, tattoos and piercings and hair, hair color, it's perspectives, it's point of view, it's personalities. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of living my life out loud because when I do that, I get to take responsibility for my own sense of belonging. And I also get to connect with others through my human stories and the lessons I've learned. And I think that's what people want from leadership. Yes, goals, KPIs, metrics, all that, all those things are really important because 
people are in the business to have revenues, but if there's no balance between metrics and humanity, then what do we have? Yeah. There, there's a great quote that uh, I, I used in my first book and Paul McCartney said it, 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 and it resonated with me so much that I framed this thing. And it's one of the gifts that I might give to a client after I've, I've spoken to them. And it says this, you know, I, I used to think anyone doing anything weird was weird. Now I know that it's the people that call others weird that are weird. And again, I, I think the stigma again was that if, if you were a little bit out there, you were considered weird. And you're right. In the world of, of hard rock, when I was there, it was pretty unusual to see people working in business that had tattoos and piercings and colored hair. Like you said, now it's pretty much the norm. You know, I, I think if somebody is right down the middle of the plate, that's a little bit odd for me. So, you know, maybe you were a little bit ahead of your time here. And I know your book was really about your story and your collection of stories, but you know, the fact that you're out there trying to get people to understand it's the holistic, authentic you that if you can understand your own story and share that with other people, somebody who might feel uncomfortable is going to feel a little bit more comfortable now and, and they should be okay with being different, right? Yes. And the way to get to that place, because look, I was, I was like everybody else walking around trying to attach to identities outside myself because I was afraid if I really exposed who I was, then I would face rejection. You know, anybody Mm. who we all feel weird at some point, right? Right. And, you know, rejection, applause, envy, celebration, everything associated with the word weird, which also means fantastic. It doesn't just mean, you know, odd. Yeah. It it means of strange or extraordinary character, odd or fantastic. So talk about like polar opposites, but the way to it was by noticing the narratives and stories that I told myself that made me feel like something was sort of constitutionally wrong with me. And then being able to question like, is that really true? Do, do I have to buy this? Do I have to own it? Can I like delete it? Like it's an item in my Amazon shopping cart. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, because nothing is weird until it's judged by somebody else as being weird. We don't walk around like, Oh my God, I was totally born weird. You know, it, it's, it's something gets judged about you. And I can promise you that any leader, if you ever ask somebody and they told you the truth, if they've ever felt weird, I bet you every single person you could ask has felt weird. And I bet you every single person that you ask who's felt weird probably felt it as a kid. And as soon as they start feeling weird as an adult, it's that same experience of, oh, crap, I am something's not okay with me or that is so unlike other people. And that's so not true because there's nothing we could do, say, think or feel that is uniquely you know, that, that isn't what other human beings think and feel might just be dressed differently. Yeah. That's why it's so great to, when when you're reading your book, you're speaking on behalf of a lot of people who've probably gone through, maybe not the same exact crazy things that you've gone through, but at least they can identify and say, Hey, I'm okay now with sharing my story, or I see myself in her weirdness. Um, and, and, and I don't know, do you have another book in you? Like what's next for you? Because I know now you've you know, you look at your relationship, you look at where you live, you look at, you know, what you're aspiring to be as a, as a professional speaker being bigger stages. Now, 
is, is there a part two to uh, Weird Girl Adventures? <laughs> I have the I have the ISBN number for a book called Bullshit. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> and bullshit, sorry, bullshit is is the space between where we are and where we think we should be, or how we think we are, and and what others are telling us we should be, and it causes it causes shame, it causes suffering. You know, there's on Instagram, you're supposed to be perfectly photoshopped. On other social media, is it, social media just makes those who feel weird even feel weirder because you're supposed to be something you should be something that you're that you're not what if you're not you know right all right brant you cannot go and get that domain bullshit.com cool. shelly owns it <laughs> i She's love that it already i love it's it funny so since you were talking about social media where if people want to get a little bit more information on you i know we're going to have everybody take a look at your bio for sure in the show notes now I've got to put the word bullshit in, in those show notes. <laughs> yes. Got to be careful how I say that. Um, where where would you like for people to stay connected to you so they can find out a little bit more about you and maybe buy your book or hire you even better to come and speak at their event? Thank you. Yeah, a lot of workplaces are embracing weird. And so I'm super excited about that. And can I just say that weird stands for welcoming, engaging, integrating, risk-taking, and dynamic and if you want to find out more about the weird acronym and more about me, I'm at ShellyBrownOfficial.com and also nice. on LinkedIn, pretty heavily on LinkedIn. Fantastic. We'll I'll have those it. links definitely in the, uh, in the show notes. What were you going to say, Brant? I love it. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were going to say You got to follow her on social. She's so, it's just so fun to follow. Oh, those are some stories. Yeah, no mm. doubt. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, Shelly, we can't thank you enough for just spending a little bit of time. And, uh, you know, it's fun. I know that we spent some time a couple months on your books campaign. And I know just watching your journey and, and where it's taking you. And we're always keeping an eye to see uh, what's the next thing in your life. So we're always rooting for you on the side. So keep, keep rocking it out. You're, you're crushing it. Thanks so much. Your support means the world to me. And I'm so honored to be here today. We are too. Thank you so much. So we'll talk soon. Rock on. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on.